The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory closing out your week here. And uh, we got we got a little bit to talk about today. I'm joined as always by my co-hosts. Find them on Twitter at uh, Chief in Carolina. We'll start with him, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. What's going on, Kent? Your beard has not grown since when we last recorded. Um, no, it hasn't. But we are wearing matching Royals gear, so that's kind of cool. I mean, we don't have oh, the hat we? on. Yeah, got the straight out of Kaufman tank on. Well, Craig's not wearing Royals gear. He's wearing Carolina gear. There's probably a soccer team named the Royals that he would be more likely to wear than the Kansas Speaking City Royals. Speaking of Craig, find him at Barley <laughs> Hop on Twitter. He's also here with us. I love that Matt is just taking over hosting duties when he doesn't feel like Kent's moving it along quick enough. He just he just snaps right in there. Sno- in slowly there. nudging me out. I better get this out of the way first before Maddie does. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you a five-star five review. Reviews. Yeah. That would be great. Um, it's it helps the show. It helps the show get uh, farther reach. It's apparently a good thing. So we would definitely appreciate that. Um, and you guys have been doing a good job of doing that. We appreciate all of them that have been. I took a look oh, yeah. the other day, and a lot of guys, gals, everybody's out there doing it. It's great. So please keep that up. If anybody yeah, can leave so much. a five star review in binary code, we will make Craig read it live on our next podcast because he can in fact read binary as we found out earlier this week yeah it's it's just one of the many things that craig can do fun thing about craig some of his charting last year for you know the defensive stuff he built an app for it this isn't a joke he built an app to chart bob sutton's defense well he was the originator of the abacus so it's not surprising <laughs> that he could build some form of okay that one that one was really good uh, that, that one got a, a legit laugh out of me that that's pretty they good. are they were all really good i i was very funny um <laughs> one what we wanted to do today is uh we kind of wanted to do something a little different this week we wanted to give the chiefs a mulligan and the mulligan we get to choose what happens with that mulligan so basically take any off-season move that the chiefs have made to this point and we're gonna take turns changing one thing now the reality of it is you change one thing 
Uh, there's a domino effect, so things get a little bit out of hand after that. But I think we all kind of have some pretty strong scenarios here that um, that we think would make a lot of sense. Um, just to make sure that I'm breaking up my length of conversation, because if I keep talking, Maddie's going to get on me for apparently being the new Matt Lane. Um, Craig, I would like you to kind of present your mulligan and and kind of where this whole thing took you. The one rule that we have with this thing is you cannot add new money. So you can't add new dollars to this. It's got to be within the same financial resources. Right. And so that doesn't that means it I can't just go out of my way here and sign Bradley Roby to join this team in free agency and, you know, call it quits there because I would have to come up with $10 million in cap space in order to make that happen that isn't currently being, you know, used there. And like, I mean, I think with this kind of scenario, we're just kind of trying to look at if to this point, we would have done things differently. Maybe they have that ear, that money earmarked for other things. We don't know. We think that they probably have another move up their sleeves. but And, and we should probably get this podcast out before June 1st because it might happen after June 1st, which is why it's a perfect time to do it. Um, but... Uh, trying to do trying to do something differently within the resources that have already been utilized. So, Craig, go ahead and kick us off. Yeah. Uh, my th- move that I would make and early on in the process in free agency, I would go out of my way to try and put a competitive offer in front of Bryce Callahan. Cornerback, he's currently in Denver. His cap number for this year is $4.2 million. That means... I have to move on from at least $4.2 million. In order to do that, I'm moving on from the salary of Daniel Sorensen. I and uh, Oh, no. Yeah. And I am also moving on from Xavier, Xavier Williams to do that. Both of those guys are guys that I think are definite roster potential there. I, I think that they can both make the roster. They can both play as depth pieces, but neither one of those guys is going to make the same sort of impact as Bryce Callahan can. Bryce Callahan is more of a slot corner. He's a shorter guy. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to stick out there and really, you know, oh, you got to lock down cornerback one now, but it gives the Chiefs a little more flexibility. Yes, Kent? Uh, I was going to ask, how does that manifest itself with with smaller corners like Kendall Fuller and Bryce Callahan on the field? I, so, I mean, you might have been going there. Yeah, but. that's exactly where I was going. Uh, wide receivers in the NFL aren't necessarily going to these towering, you know, guys anymore. They were at one point, but it, now it seems to be more predicated on smaller, quicker route runners, good hands. Bryce Callahan is a guy that you can stick out there and trust that he's going to be able to do that. And even if you're just signing him to be a future slot corner, maybe you you push Kendall Fuller out wide. I don't think I would. I would rather play Callahan outside. But even if you did that, you've got another body under contract with talent for 2020, for 2021. It makes your overall cornerback group much better and you got rid of the cost of basically two guys that are going to be depth pieces. You know, with Colin Saunders on the roster now, you still make the same draft pick moves here. With Colin Saunders on the roster, Xavier Williams becomes a little less important. You know, with Juan Thornhill on the roster, Dan Sorensen becomes a little less important. So I'm doing my work in free agency, and I'm trying to move on from those two guys to add a cornerback that can start 
And then maybe you don't even have to go out of your way to do Bashad Breland, or he's cornerback four, and that makes your entire cornerback group better. That's a cheap, valuable cornerback four in my position, or in my opinion. Absolutely. Like that's, that's good value. Two million dollars. I mean, that's solid. Yeah, or, or he beats out uh, you know, Charvarius Ward, and then you're paying Charvarius Ward pennies to be your cornerback four. That's, that's, Did, you're in a good situation, much better situation at the cornerback group than you were you know, in the current realm of where the Chiefs stand. Yeah, I still get a little nervous about having all slot cornerbacks kind of in that regard. You have Breland and Fuller and Callahan all better on the inside, but it's still a better situation than you're in now. And kind of a little, I guess, under the radar thing, we don't know how this new pass interference reviewable stuff is going to be able to Mm. work out this year. Maybe having smaller, shiftier outside corners not relying on their physicality and strength at the line of scrimmage, maybe something that works out in your favor. Maybe it doesn't. I'm not sure. But it also gives you that long-term control and that you can keep Callahan next year and you're not stuck having to keep Kendall Fuller because you have nobody else. And the other part... What was the figures on Bryce Callahan, by the way? Like I was going to ask this. uh, He makes (laughs) 4.2 year one and 8.3 for years two and year three. I mean, that's that's a reasonable so a three contract year deal. At, at age 28, 29, 30. So you can get that's out solid. of it. Yeah, that's a solid solid deal for him. And like Maddie said, uh, you are going to be a little less physical. Maybe you can be high-pointed at the catch point a little bit more. That's why you keep Charvarius Ward on the roster. Uh, he still has use because a lot of the teams that the Chiefs are going to play, you're probably not going to see that towering wide receiver very often and in those situations you can put ward in to kind hey, of cover as long guy. as teams quit throwing fades then you're going to be good to go oh hey <laughs> analytics say you don't need to throw fades anymore so don't like, even run them just eliminate them uh, the route trees one through eight now let's guys let's not get started on that that's it that's an entirely separate four podcasts on its own so yeah there's there's no way that ends well yeah uh for no anyone way. Uh, Maddie, give me your scenario. Give me your mulligan on this offseason. All right. So my scenario has a lot more repercussions. It's a longer chain reaction than Craig's was. So we're going to try to keep it into short pieces and we can kind of discuss it after. I, too, am cutting Dan Sorensen. Nothing against him. He just makes more money than I think the guy is going to be worth to the team. I don't see the Chiefs carrying five safeties. And I just think that Lucas and Watts are going to provide more as backup safeties than Sorensen is given their price points. So Sorensen can go. He saves me about $2.7 million this year. I'm using that money and an extra 100 k that I'm fabricating out of nowhere for this debate here, Kent, to uh, sign Philip Dorsett, wide receiver. He signed for two point. Quit shaking your head over there. He signed with the Patriots for just $100,000 more. It's just no big deal. Just $100,000 more the than here. what I would save. That I would save by cutting Dan. There, so if I you, have to, I'll cut Xavier no, Williams too. Time out. Too. Nope, no, nope, Maddie. Maddie, you have to cut. You have to cut Cody Thompson. Oh. Why? Because I said Why so. Why can't I cut Jamal Custis? Nope. He saves more nope. money. Saves more money. Nope. All right. Anyway. Cody Thompson. Are you cutting Cody set. Thompson? No, I'm cutting Jamal Custis. Nope. Can't do it. I'm creating a new rule. Did. It's done. It's out. It's happened. <laughs> Please so, continue. Uh, the, the draft rolls around now. And now when my pick in the second round rolls up, I don't have to panic and trade up for McCole Hardman because I already have the exact same player on the roster in Philip Dorsett. I have the fast guy, doesn't run routes, catches okay, I guess. But I already have him. I don't need him to draft him now. So I don't trade up. I stay pat. I draft DK Metcalf. 
Now, having these two wide receivers, Metcalf may not be a super need, seeming I just brought in somebody. But here's the thing. He's still a downfield threat. He can still get vertical. And he gives me a wide receiver for next year. Then my draft stays the same. I'm still taking Thornhill, Colin Saunders. And now I have this fifth round pick to play with. What am I going to do this fifth round pick? We're going back to the cornerback well. We don't need another safety. We're taking Corey Ballantyne. I know he did get shot, unfortunately, shortly after the draft, but he's going to be okay. Just give me a good athlete, a tier one athlete, if I recall correctly, Craig. C-B-A-T-1, yes. Wow. Tier one athlete at the cornerback position. Give me this guy. Let him get molded by Dave Merritt, by Sam Madison. Just get him on my team. Let him fight with Rashawn Fenton and Shaman Smith and Mark Fields for this kind of CB4-5 spot. Take him under your wing. Get more talent in the building at cornerback. And again, we already picked up that fast wide receiver in Philip Dorsett that we got by saving Daniel Sorensen. Who says no, Kent? Uh, no one. But I still think you should have had to cut Cody Thompson just because... Small Custis. Well, and, and that's, now that he's got DK no on the roster, he doesn't need Cody Thompson anymore. See, that's what I, I was kind of wondering. Is like, Correction. I don't need Jamal Custis because all he does is be big and run vertical. That's DK Metcalf. Cody Thompson is an entirely different type of wide receiver. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, and I think Cody Thompson has more special teams value. Uh nice. But I really just wanted to see you have to cut uh, your son. Uh, and you yeah. held strong. So, I did. I yeah. mean. So that's my mulligan. Sorensen's out. McCole Hardman's out. Philip Dorsett. DK Metcalf. Corey Ballantyne in. That seems like a big win to me. Trade value. But I also would have taken DK Metcalf straight let's, up. Uh, let's posit this. Since we're, since we're on this theory and, and we got a little time to work with here. What are your expectations with Corey Ballantyne year one? Not much. I think he's developmental. I think he needs some work. So yeah, he's like he's kind of that Tremont Smith role. I think you can get him on some special teams play, and you might play him one or two weeks later in the year to deal with some injuries or unfortunate circumstances to get snaps. But he's a guy you're looking at for year two, three down the line. Yeah, and I think he has a better developmental or a better path to success as a cornerback than Tremont Smith does. I agree. They both have really good athletic profiles, and obviously Tremont Smith provides some value in the return game. For, but for what I, it's worth, Kent, Tremont Smith was a tier three in CBAT. His, his three cone was awful. Really? Yeah, awful. That shows up. Yeah. That's not... You're not wrong. His long speed was really his good. His long I remember speed is that. great, yes. Yeah. But uh, he, he, huh. he was tier three due to his three cone. Yeah. Valentine well, impressed me at the senior bowl because he kind of showed up. He looked very outclassed that first day, but he got his feet under him. He kind of settled into where he was and just got better each and every day. So yeah, it might yep. take him a year. It might not be till later in the year, but I like that bringing him into the team. I think his upside is higher than a Rashad Fenton. So I, I want a higher upside cornerback on this team coming out of this draft or offseason. And unfortunately, the draft this didn't fall great for the Chiefs to make that move. So I fixed wide receiver, I feel like, with DK Metcalf, Philip Dorsett providing that vertical threat, and then getting that extra corner in the building. Just all at the expense of Daniel Sorensen, who again, like the guy, he's a great blitzer. I just don't see him getting that many snaps this year. So you're they, they've got a log jam at safety. I mean, they do. And they they've do. got young, cheap options there. Like, it makes too much sense. I don't think Daniel Sorensen's on the 53 when it's all said and done. I just, I, I think that he has value still, though. That, uh, that's the problem with all yeah. this. I, I think he's a guy that maybe they could dangle as a trade candidate. Maybe because yeah. they don't need to cut him. 
I just don't. No. Yeah. No. And I, I, I think, I think this is a situation where they hold on to him and let the process play out. Yeah. Same with Tano Passanio. I mean, like some of these guys, like they might dangle them late and then choose to move on from them, or maybe they try to get one of these. You know, like uh, Parker Erringer right. brought back Charvarius Ward. Yeah. Are we sure tr- tr- uh, Tano Passanio can't be- bring back a flyer? Some team that lengths the length and says I can figure the this out. The issue with Sorensen, though, is like we've talked about. It's a crowded safety room. And a team knows you're not moving on from Honey Badger. They know you're not moving on from Thornhill or Watts, most likely. I mean, it wouldn't be too crazy to have a second-year day three pick get moved on from, but I right. don't think it's happening. So then it's Jordan Lucas, Daniel Sorensen. And, I mean, maybe the team does like Sorensen more, but they actively chose to pay Jordan Lucas more money to stay this year. So if you're another team looking at it, like – you can't sit there and think the Chiefs are about to keep all of those safeties. you got to think someone's coming out. So if they're looking for a trade partner at all, if you're another team, just sit and wait because someone's got to be cut loose. Especially I will, oh, especially go. since they don't play three safeties very often. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'll add, and I'll add too, that it might, I, I believe Jordan Lucas's money, you can cut him with $0 dead. That's interesting. Um, Okay. I believe I'm gonna have to double check that, but he signed a tender, and I believe I don't be, I believe that yes. there's no. Yeah. Is that right? Yes, looks to be correct. So it might, and I think I think Jordan Lucas is settling a little bit over two. Is that right? Yeah, two point oh two five. He actually only saved six hundred thousand dollars less than Daniel Sorensen does. Right, yeah. right. So it could conversely, Veach has come out and mentioned Honey Badger. Sorensen and Watts is all more of box type safeties playing close to the line of scrimmage. The only guy that he's mentioned deep is Thornhill, and you saw last year that's where Lucas was definitely at his and best. He mentioned well, Lucas deep too. Yep. He, he okay. mentioned Lucas deep too as well. So he yeah. has talked about Lucas as a deep guy, and mm-hmm. I think if you're gonna play, if you're gonna if you're gonna put him on that little tender, I think you have a plan for him. You yeah. you want to you want to bring him and keep him on the roster? I think so. Um, that'll be fascinating. I I though. will say this from from Maddie's standpoint I don't know not that I'm picking it apart because I, I kind of like what what he did there for the future I just don't know how much those moves help this year like if you're looking at it how much do those individual moves help this year Metcalf wide receiver got a lot better Dorsett, than it was it did get a I'm lot better but it's looking it's looking more and more like maybe um, maybe uh, Tyree Kill is going to play sooner rather than later. Like he's, I think it's pretty well. I think we're all of the opinion that he's playing at least the back half in the playoffs. Like he, I think he'll be eligible for that. So with that in Probably. mind, I, that becomes a logjam at wide receiver. Not that it's a bad thing again for the future, but mm, I it makes it makes the Miko pick a little worse for me personally. But they didn't know that that what they, that could be. I mean, if Tyreek does play, they didn't. But going know. forward, right. I, and think I mean, it, even if Tyreek Hill does play, I think that we're all of the opinion that he's probably not playing for the Chiefs going forward. And I know you were talking about this year, but putting DK Metcalf, Sammy Watkins, who you would keep in that case, on the roster for 2020 is already a great start and it frees up your 2020 draft to not have to take a wide receiver early. And I get it. It definitely doesn't add much to the defense this year because it's a later round corner. It's a developmental guy, 
but I think I'm improving the offense, not only in the meantime where Tyreek Hill is out, but also the high-end ceiling of it for if Sammy Watkins does miss time or if they do get all three guys healthy, what are you going to do with Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and DK Metcalf on the field at the same time? That blend of size and speed across the board. We thought the offense was dangerous last year with Chris Conley. Make Chris Conley fast and catch the ball downfield. That's a much oh big, huge difference. So that's kind of where I'm looking at is just improving the offense with that move and then adding a developmental corner to the mix. Yeah. After the break, I will reveal a scenario that only tweaked the draft. No free agency, just the draft. We'll break it down after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, guys, you both presented some very interesting scenarios. Don't talk down on us. Don't talk down on us. They're good. I like them. In fact, I have no qualms at all with getting rid of Dan Sorensen's contract. I think that's a smart approach. But I tried to make it a little harder on myself. I tried to I tried to challenge I tried to challenge myself a little here, pals. Okay, Romeo. Um, well, well, hang on here. You you're out here making us out to sound like the easiest move in the world is to cut Dan. You don't know my relationship with Dan Sorensen. Don't don't act like this was an easy move for me. We had an emotional conversation about letting him go. Your hairlines are both very similar. They may get out in the garden and garden to garden. Gardening. It's back to gardening. Always. It's always the garden. The garden of the gods is in Utah. Dan Sorensen's from Utah. Craig has gardening. Probably planted stuff in that garden. He's hiked. He's hiked Utah, like no doubt. Every square foot. Haven't you? The, the garden Haven't of the you? gods is in Colorado. Is no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Geography Podcasting One Hundred and One. Well, Craig, why don't you enlighten us? Uh, well, the Garden of the Gods is in Colorado. I have hiked it. It, yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> is well, Mount is it Mount Zion? Is that in Utah? Yeah, I believe that's correct. Have you hiked Mount Zion? I have not. Uh huh. I I saw that glimmer in your eye. You definitely hiked it. Anyways, um, I decided to go a route without free agency. Uh, just try to do it just with the draft. So. I'm not. Oh, sorry, Craig. You have something to for, say? For what it's worth, Mount Zion is in Jerusalem. So, <laughs> I thought there was a national park. Yeah, maybe Zion. I know there's national a Mount park. Zion in Jerusalem, Zion, but I Zion just, National Park. Anyway, Zion National on. Park. Geography oh podcast God. over. Hmm. Are we talking football uh, yet? <laughs> yes. 
just now. Uh, I'm getting rid of Meikle Hardman as well. I know that comes as a shock. You guys are haters. Yeah, and I'm not trading up for anyone. I'm taking Juan Thornhill at 61. Then I'm turning around, Maddie, and I'm taking DK Metcalf at 63. It's copycat league. But he, yeah, I know, right? Here's um, here's where things deviate a little bit. I and this was hard for me because I really like Colin Saunders. I'm saying goodbye to Colin Saunders, and I'm making a slight trade up for Justin Lane in the third round. Went 83rd. The Chiefs very easily could have traded up to to that spot um, to select Justin Lane with pick 167, which they aren't using in this Michael Hardman trade. So I am going and addressing the cornerback position with a very good player that we are all very high on. We would have been happy with Justin Lane at 61. We would have been happy with Justin Lane in a trade-up at 56. We had, I believe, Justin Lane in a, as a top 40-ish player. And yes. uh, how he how he fell to 83 was kind of surprising to us. Craig, what tier athlete was, was Justin Lane? Justin Lane was a tier 2 cornerback right. but just barely i mean like uh, maybe a half a point to a three quarters of a point away so he he's a guy that we would have been ecstatic high upside great ball skills it, i would have loved to have him on this team yes he's, he's learning to play the, the position still i think mm-hmm. Cra- maddie were you the highest in justin lane of all of us i believe that was the case big justin lane fan right here and if we taken him early in the second round if we had taken him over mccall hardman the draft would have instantly improved for me yeah and like i kind of looked at it i remember sitting there on draft day and Michael hardman was still on the board as the chiefs were approaching their third round pick and i was just saying like i kind of was pessimistic for some reason that they were they were not going to take justin lane i just kind of had a feeling i was like i wonder like if he's still on the board at this point, there's some reason that they didn't take him. Like they should have taken him at 63. Um, I wonder why the Chiefs weren't super interested in Justin Lane. Uh, why do you guys think that? I have a I have a feeling. Is it maybe just tackling? I mean, Spags does not. Did he not trust him as a tackler? I I do think that he's got a little ways to go. Like I I don't think that he's a a year one guy necessarily I, I i think that he does have a high ceiling but you're you're relying on him to pick up the playbook and be able to develop as a cornerback quickly if you want him to contribute this year i'm not sure justin lane moves the needle too terribly much in 2019 now again just like maddie said about Corey ballantyne you've got high ceiling 2020 2021 and beyond i like that move from that standpoint but i i don't know and i think i even said this before the draft i don't know that justin lane is a day one starter but there weren't a whole lot of day one starters in this cornerback class so i you would be you would be uh, right to go after a high ceiling guy in that situation and see, for me, I, I agree that he's not a day one starter, but I think he's a guy that's not a developmental project like a Corey Ballantyne. Yeah. I think you would expect if you took Justin Lane that he's played starter reps at some point in time in his rookie year. He just has to fix some issues. He is not doesn't need a complete rework. He just needs to pretty much make everything he does from a technique standpoint a little bit better. It's not terrible. Some of it is, but not all of it. So I and think needs the issue reps. for the Chiefs, I mean, he needs reps too. I mean, yeah, he's going to get more. The for the Chiefs, I think the issue just may be a little bit of sloppiness with his footwork and his ability to 
not always break aggressively on stuff. He's sometimes breaking a little too late, a little too passively on passes that are cutting off in front of him. So I could see how the Chiefs wouldn't have him as highly graded as I do did if you weren't looking at the pure upside and he could do in every system, but purely for their system. That being said, third round's a complete steal for him, in my opinion. I think he's going to be a good pro, and even if it doesn't start in week one, by the midpoint of the season, I think he's a guy that's going to earn reps for whatever team he ended up on. Well, his length and ball skills played. like, And that's part of it, too, is like he may not... He's definitely not going to be refined year one, but his length made up for it at times. And He'll be very up and down. Sure. And, and you know, if they value some level of consistency, that's fine. But I don't think anybody anticipated Charvarius Ward really making any kind of, comp, comp, you know, uh, contribution in year one either. So it's like... For sure. Okay. You know, Justin Lane, yeah, in the third round, I think that's incredible value. Whether or not he makes a big impact in year one, the value there is just excellent for my, from, from, from my look at it. Okay, let's look at it this way then. Colin Saunders, year one, versus Justin Lane, year one. Who has the bigger impact in that? Both of you guys. For this team specifically, I think Justin Lane does throughout the whole year because I think there's a okay. chance for him to have more playing time. From gotcha. week one, I think Saunders probably could see more impactful snaps based on where he is. But it's the same thing. I think Colin Saunders needs a little bit of work for the NFL, too. I don't think he mm-hmm. was a day mm-hmm. one kind of guy. Just Justin Lane has a wide open position he's competing for, for starting reps. I think that's kind of where I fall, too, is, you know, yeah, opportunity. And there's not like a giant amount of talent at the cornerback position. I think he can make a bigger year one impact than Keith Reeser can. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, for sure. I hope Ke- and I think, you know, I you, you talk about long term too. Like there's value there. But if you're telling me by the end of the, you know, maybe the Chiefs wait until the, tra- the, the trade deadline to make a move at corner. They let things play out. But, you know, Justin Lane, he has a little bit of runway. They don't, I mean, they could, they could get by the first six weeks, six weeks of the season. And then, you know, if he's ready, he can come in and make an impact in the second half of the season. You would like him to be ready week one, but I mean, <laughs> I th- sorry, I think he could. I think he could make an impact, and by the end of the year. Yeah, and on that yeah. same token, here's a, oh, sorry, go ahead, Craig. If you're still talking, Justin. No, Lane. no, no. I keep going, man. I was just gonna play off the Colin Saunders point here. What's your plan, kind of, with the interior defensive line? If you're ta- if you're losing Colin Saunders, you're losing kind of that next pass rusher to spell Chris Jones. Like, are you? What's your plan on the interior going forward, making this move? Well, I didn't cut Xavier Williams, so there's yeah. part of that. He's going to have to be involved somewhere, and I think he's your he pass play- rusher. I that's that's where it gets a little hairy because he's definitely not a guy that has pass rush like a ton of pass rush ability but he is depth along the defensive line uh you're, you're right you're not his situation but but yeah I, it, it, yeah. they're yeah your your ends are kicking in and maybe you're leaning on them a little bit more you're piecing it together it's not as dynamic of an interior of, as a rush group like it just isn't i acknowledge that um, and yeah, Xavier Williams, he's got a little bit of pass rush ability. I think he had three and a half sacks the year before he came to the Chiefs. But I mean, he's not a guy I'm overly hyped about from that perspective. And you are going to lean on him a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I do like the way that the cornerback group looks. I like the way that the wide receiver group looks. I like that they still have Juan Thornhill. I, I, I like a lot of those moves for certain, but... 
I just, I, I don't know, you know, if the Chiefs really are year one, go all in. Not that necessarily that they made the right moves to do that this year either, but I, I think that they need, I don't know, I think they need a more impactful cornerback. And, and they could still be in the same situation that they are right now and go out and get a guy and let Justin Lane take, you know, like you said, six games, eight games, ten games, and and still develop and be a contributor at the end of the year, and then you go forward. But I, I, I just still would have worries about that position. And I'll add, too, that they would be kind of put in a long-term issue potentially along the interior defensive line if they sure. don't take Colin Saunders. Um, sure. I believe Derek Nottie might be the only one under contract technically next year. Now they might get something done with Chris Jones, obviously, and that would change the the complexion of that group. But um, I just, if I look at it right now, I'm more worried about the cornerback position than I am the interior rush. And if that's the case, I do think even if Justin Lane may not be a day one starter, the value there, especially for when the games start mattering more and more, he could Mm -hmm. make an impact late. Uh, We are going to, so the uh, the the Chiefs' new show launched this week, and we are going to go ahead and recap episode one right after this. Well, for at least the summer, we are going to be breaking down the episodes of the franchise, the new Chiefs show. Uh, produced by the Chiefs by 65 Toss Power Trap. And uh, so the first episode actually launched on Wednesday this week. Uh, It's going to be streaming, I believe, on YouTube, on Facebook. It's going to be streaming on Fox Sports Midwest, Fox Sports Kansas City. We all had a chance to watch it, and uh, we were... We're pretty excited about it. It's going to be fun to watch, especially kind of as we kind of get farther along. This week, they covered, you know, the end of the season. It was just a very dark way to start this thing, Craig. Oh, God. We, we led with D Ford. Like, that was, that was a problem. Like, it, it really was rough to relive all of that again and have to deal with all of that nonsense of, and I mean, Andy Reid called it out with the whole, you know, we were four inches away. Man, that's spite. Andy Reid still has some spite for that for that situation. Yeah, I mean, Andy feels like they were right there, and he should. And I think just even the concept of the show happening under Andy Reid lets you know how close he thinks they are. This isn't happening if Andy Reid doesn't think they're a Super Bowl contender. Like, I think that's the first thing you got to go with is button up as Andy is about stuff. This whole the franchise isn't coming out if they don't think they're really close, and then they just lead off the series just with subtle Ugh. slander of D Ford and just how unbelievably close they were to moving on. They're showing the replay. It's it was the worst. I saw um, Jeff Schwartz tweet out today that <laughs> after the offsides penalty, there was zero chance that D Ford was coming back to Kansas City. <laughs> and I I looked I don't know if I looked into it too much, but I just wonder after that statement and you know you I don't know what his opinion of you know what, what the locker room's opinion of D Ford was or all that, but just that subtle shade just made me wonder if there's just more to the D Ford story beyond just that. I you know I I, I, I don't know. But I just thought that quote from from Jeff Schwartz was interesting personally. We know that Andy's cold. Like anybody who thinks that Andy Reid is just you know happy go lucky yep. all the time is is fooling themselves. Andy Reid 
wants this ring. Andy Reid is willing to do a lot for this ring if he feels like he can lay that at the feet of D Ford, which I, I not agreeing with by any means there. There are a lot of situations in that game that could have changed the entire tide of it, but man, it, it sure felt a little bit like there was some extra heat on that. Yeah, I think Andy feels like the way the team was designed, they played good enough to win that game. Like, the way the team was made up last year, played last year, they played a game to beat the New England Patriots and advance to the Super Bowl, and the only thing that stopped them was D Ford lining up offsides. And like you said, I don't agree with it, you don't agree with it, but I kind of feel like that's the way Andy sees it based on how the team had performed all year. You didn't really ever expect the defense to get a stop, and then they kind of get – this one big splash play, which was how the defense played all year, and it was negated by the guy that was arguably <laughs> the best defender for him all year. Mm-hmm. If, if we don't laugh, we cry. Um, it was a gut punch. They led with the gut they punch. They really did. They did a great job of just making me feel miserable. Um, one thing that really bothered me about the first episode, it was the end of the show. I mean, it, not, it wasn't because... Our good pal and our good friend, Dane Van Wye, is moving on from Arrowhead Pride to go back to the Chiefs and produce this show. That's not why I am I'm so upset. I'm upset because the Chiefs and 65 Toss Power Trap did not put Craig Stout in the credits. Craig, you're the back of your beautiful head made and, and the side view of your beard made an appearance... On the senior bowl footage for the first episode of the franchise. Okay, so l- little story here. Uh, Kent watched it live or close to live. Close, there. not I, quite live. Yeah, I had dinner with my family, and after I put the kid to bed, I jumped on YouTube to start watching it. Kent had kind of clipped that picture and threw it out there, and of course. I didn't look very hard at it. I thought Kent was just razzing me about some dude with a giant red beard being in it. And then the show cut to it, and it was, you know, Senior Bowl. And it's covering the Senior Bowl. I turned to my wife, and I said, huh, I have to look in the background to see. Oh, wait a minute. And sure enough, I was standing back there interviewing David Long in the background of one of the pictures. Yeah, or one of the videos. I wonder how tall the ladder was they took that picture from to catch you just your head. He looked like a normal-sized human being. Right, so they had to be at least four rungs up on a normal ladder. I just followed around a bunch of tall people. I wanted to try and blend in a little better there in the interview scrum. Yeah, well, you did a good job, but the beard just does not show. So, Craig, uh, I've done a, a favor for you. I've updated your IMDB page. I've built you an IMDB page. Um... Apparently, the only problem is... Uh, this is my nightmare. The birthday only goes back to the 1900s. <laughs> this, this is my so, nightmare. <laughs> um, I think... I, I don't know. They don't have birth dates in the 1800s on the IMDb. That's unfortunate. But other than that... I, I also... The other thing is there's a character limit for running. Like, I was trying to explain your your broad horizons of, of what you are... What you do on a daily basis. Your many skill sets. I ran out of room on the page. So I'm fairly uh, sure why, Elon why, Musk can figure this out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Man, I keep coughing uh, up a storm. I'm sorry about that. Um, but 
Anyway, so we get Eric Stone Street living out all of our dreams, being in the draft room, watching film with the scouting department. Guys, it doesn't matter how hard we work at all this. Our only bet of being in that room is to be on a hit TV show. Um, Craig's probably well on his way with the IMDB uh, page is up. I'm going to start taking uh, his calls. I am now Craig's agent. If anyone needs someone to be uh, tall, redhead with beard, I am. I'm in. That's our only shot of one of us getting on into the draft room. But um, I, you know, I, I, I thought it was really interesting. A couple of things that Brett Veach said in the in the draft room. Um, first off, he said someone didn't have a great week. I really want to know who that is. Who do you? I don't remember who had a bad week. Give me someone who had a bad week. Probably one of the linebackers. Chris Boyd. Oh, Chris Boyd. That's the answer. He was talking about Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd's a good Boyd one, or really any single Wisconsin offensive lineman. <laughs> That's true. He was They're talking about Ger- uh, Michael Dieter, Dieter shortly after that. Maybe yeah. <laughs> it was him because they were talking. Maybe they didn't cut that out. It was like disguised by like being so obvious. Um, the other thing, you know, when when Brett Veach was talking to Eric Stone Street in the draft room, that's a sentence I never thought I would say. Uh, <laughs> when he was talking to him in the draft room, something I thought was kind of interesting is he said, uh, the Senior Bowl, this is where your second and third round prospects are. And lo and behold, the Chiefs took... Two senior bowl participants in the second and third rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he went out of his way to point out to Stone Street that, and I mean, I think Stone Street knew this. I feel like this was playing a little bit toward to the camera, but pointed out that a lot of the first-round guys tend to be more juniors, guys that are coming out early that are the better players that didn't stick around for their last year. But, yeah, no, he, he made it a point to say that's where the bulk of the second and third-round players are. And, I mean, we – we got to talk to Juan Thornhill. We got to talk to Colin Saunders. We we you know we're kind of in front of all of those guys, and that was the cool part about the Senior Bowl was knowing that a lot of these guys had a shot to be drafted by the Chiefs, and then they come away with two of them. That that was just really cool. And even more so than just the Senior Bowl, two more picks on day three were also from these kind of All Star games at the end of the season with Rashad Fenton and Nick Allegretti. So, and whether it's the Senior Bowl or not at all, Brett Veach had also mentioned day three. Like, I think you very much see a pattern that Brett Veach likes these guys. They get their full four years in college. They go to these all-star games and show, and he mentioned it again, the versatility. I think that's something that's huge to Brett Veach. So you get these guys that work hard, show versatility in these all-star game settings. If you really want to pick up on a trend for the Chiefs moving forward in terms of the draft, mm-hmm. really start there. Look for versatile guys that play in these all-star games that might be a good place to start narrowing down your kind of what you expect from the Chiefs in the draft. And I believe he's very on brand that, with, with I'll go so sorry yeah, about it, that. It just means that Kent's never going to get his his wish of a uh, a twenty year old rookie, you know, coming in at, at all. Especially no. since he, we won't he's have more a likely round to pick. get a twenty four year old. Yeah, it'll just yeah. There's there's no chance of that happening. I have, <laughs> Derek Noddy and Dorian O'Daniel were Senior Bowl participants, correct? Was Dorian? I think Dorian I don't was. remember. I believe he I don't was. Remember. I'm going to have to double check that, and someone's probably gotcha. going to get in my mentions and dunk on me, but I'm pretty sure Dorian O'Daniel played in the Senior Bowl as well. Um, gotcha. So, I mean, beyond that, I mean, I thought that was the most interesting piece. One thing that kept, like, showing up for me... Oh, wait, actually, I, there was one more thing about Brett Veach, and I thought it was just kind of interesting. 
and I really do believe this vibe that I, you know, he talks about how the guys in that department really are his best friends and they have, you know, they're able to yell and scream and fight and all that stuff about things. But at the end of the day, there's like that, there's that, that, that bond that they have. I actually believe that a lot of the way he's gone about things, it does feel like that unit, that scouting department is a very tight knit group. And he really believes in his people and he believes in their process. I firmly believe that about that particular department. Yeah, I think so too. I, I And I think you, when you work in that kind of tandem and you have to rely on everybody else's evaluations as much as they do, I mean, you kind of become very intimate with the person themselves you you figure out what they like the things that they look for things like that you, you don't just get that by hanging out. i mean i think he even said to stone street at one point you know if you watch enough of these guys eventually it becomes second nature it doesn't take doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this stuff out so you you've got to know the type of guys that you're going in there with because people can figure this out people can't do this so you have you have to have some sort of you know friendship and kinship throughout that entire process, and I think that's throughout the entire league. I don't know necessarily that that's just right. within the Chiefs organization. Yeah. I think a lot of those scouts just know each other, are friends with each other. I, I just think it's kind of a very uh, a very tight knit group. Yeah, and I think the big thing they talked about was just being able to get into these heated debates, then come back the next day and still have a good relationship. And I mean, that's, that's healthy. You have to have that in that room because we've had debates just between us in our DM or in person. And if you don't get along with somebody that kind of holds over to another conversation. So the fact that they're good friends only helps kind of working through the whole process. I was that's actually, why we don't talk to Jake anymore. No. Yeah. Jake's been shunned. He's gone. But like, I was kind of thinking about like, even your joke about the 20 year olds, the 20 year old prospects, like we all do have, and we all carry some things that we like and we don't like. And I mean, it manifests itself even in the jokes. Like we're kind of like that mm-hmm. too. Like out, like we all know and have a good feel for the types that we get and like the types we like and prefer. So I thought that was funny. Beyond that, honestly, like one thing that kind of I I forgot because of this off season and just because of how grand and amazing you know the last season was and you know the off season all that stuff. It's been crazy. I forgot Patrick Mahomes was on the cover of Madden this year. Like just <laughs> flat out forgot. So we're watching we're watching him do his photo shoot. I'm like, oh yeah. In like any other situation, you would normally that would be, that would be like a lead story uh, for a month. Yeah. Too. We'd still be yeah. talking about it. We like we like would have like really held on to that, you know. But no, it, it, that happened right about the same time as the Tyreek Hill news. I think that just kind of killed a lot of yeah the the heat and the steam from that story so i i I think that's really the cause of it because i think we'd still be going i mean we're still going on and on about him being the mvp because he's amazing so i think that would still be there if that tyree kill story hadn't kind of blown it off the front page and i kind of just wonder if like the on-field stuff has really just dwarfed like the Mm on-field realities of how good he is still just kind of dwarfs like oh yeah he's 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 on the cover of a video game, but more importantly, he's also the goat, the baby goat. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still just amazed by the stuff he did. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, the second episode of the week, we will be back next week on the YouTube channel streaming 
our mailbag and then doing a full episode later in the week after that. We will catch you later.